timely, authoritative, and dependable. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We're going to look at a kind of a, a smorgasbord, shall we say, of different things that have been happening in these markets today. Of course, last night's notice from the president with the declaration of the packing plants. How's that affecting the trade? Add to that, we're going to talk a little ethanol and gas numbers that are coming out. A little bump in the crude oil. Uh, not that big of a bump, but as our guest said today, when you go from zero to anywhere up, it's 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 a move. And we'll also look at what's going on in South America. And the second and half walls take a look at the focus of what we're going to see what's key to this summer along with a lot more as arlen suderman joins us today from fc stone and i think arlen first the markets everybody i talked to has been a buzz about this declaration and the packing plans yeah it's uh, certainly a welcome announcement from the president to farmers uh, the, i noticed that the labor unions are screaming foul right now because uh, they, they want to use this to leverage to try to get uh, more worker protection, I understand that, and higher wages. Uh, and that's one of the big issues that we're facing right now, not only with the meatpacking industry, but many, many different businesses across the country wanting liability protection. They're worried now about lawsuits. Some of them may be legit, some of them frivolous, but lawsuits, lawyers trying to find people who maybe uh, got uh, COVID-19 and say, okay, who do you work for? And then going after employer and accusing them of not providing adequate safety to get it and uh, they could be become overwhelmed by lawsuits. That was the primary reason from the decor, for the declaration from the president and because using this uh, Defense Production Act does give them some liability coverage and allows plants to open. But of course, the next key is to get workers who will actually work. Well, when you look at all of that that's been happening and, and We've seen the struggles, the ebbs and flows within this market trade. Short term, is it going to have any effect on our futures? Well, we saw today in, in the cattle market and the hog market, the nearby contract bounce of strength. And I think that's probably because some plants that were maybe slowing their buying or not buying because they were on the cusp of closing, decided to go ahead and stay open because of this act. But the deferred contracts, for the most part, were under pressure. And that's because we still have a problem. We still have to get workers working in these plants. We still need to be able to get the demand back up for animals. And uh, that may take some time. You know, it, it, we're not going to reopen these plants tomorrow. It's going to take some time to uh, to get a plan that's going to be acceptable to employees so that they come back to work and we can reopen these plants and get them back to full capacity. So one thing to open a plant. Now, we've had plants that are open with three to 400 employees not show up because of COVID-19, and uh, you still can't have much capacity from that. And so deferred contracts, I think, we're showing the skepticism here. And then ultimately, once we get past that, we have to fill the restaurants again. We're opening restaurants in a lot of states this weekend, but most of them are going to be with 25 to 50% capacity, and then it's come whether the customers, consumers are willing to even go to them, and then at what time will they be allowed to fill those restaurants with consumers, and when will the consumer feel comfortable being in a packed restaurant again? Ultimately, that's what we need to bring the demand back. For when we look at the uh, beyond that, uh, folks aren't driving. Um, hopefully, when things start to slowly open up, we'll see folks out driving more. Is that going to help to increase our ethanol possibilities out there? 
Well, we saw some encouraging things this morning's and uh, this morning's energy report. It showed the second week in a row of gasoline consumption starting to work back up. So that looks like, from a gasoline consumption standpoint, that we've put in a bottom, and it should go up from here as long as we don't have any more major outbreaks of COVID nineteen. We should see increased driving trending up from this point. That more ethanol needed in order to blend with the gasoline. Now, our supplies are so high right now. Uh, that's why we're not seeing an immediate increase in ethanol demand because we've got this surplus supply work through first. Um, and then we should start to see ethanol demand start to increase. It'll be slow, but I think pick up momentum as we go through the month of May into the month of June. Uh, we don't expect it to get back to full 100% as until maybe sometime early next year. Um, but we do expect the biggest part of the recovery to be over the next two to three months if we go ahead and are able to reopen the nation as it looks like we are. So that was encouraging signs to me um, that maybe we're putting in a bottom in this whole ethanol uh, demand issue. What about from the gas side of it, a, a bump in gasoline production? That's got to bring some some positives as well. Yeah, it really does and helps kind of reaffirm that uh, as a nation, uh, we are kind of coming back. You know, this nation was built on taking risks, so to speak, calculated risks. Uh, and uh, we've kind of awakened the animal spirits of the economy, people wanting to get back to work, wanting to get out. And uh, particularly in the weather's nice, you'll notice the streets and highways have more traffic, even if it's to get the kids in the car and take them and show them the park they're not allowed to play in. Um, people just wanting to get out. And that's the initial steps, but ultimately we have to get it to where people are going to work again and feel comfortable enough taking longer trips to get the gasoline consumption up and uh, therefore ethanol demand back up. We have seen a little bit of an offset, probably about 25 million bushels worth of demand of corn to make ethanol for hand sanitizers. That has helped, but that's still not near what we need. And I think bottom line is we're probably still going to see USDA have to lower their ethanol demand estimate further, uh, probably to about 4.780 billion bushels by the end of the marketing year. Um, and uh, then we can start improving again as we go forward. And a good snowball effect, get folks out there a little bit, still doing the safety distance, get some food, get in their vehicles and do some driving. And when gas is cheap, there's incentive to do that. Very much so. We'll stick around, folks. When we come back, we're going to continue the conversation with Arlen Suderman as we're going to look at global currencies, also what's going on in South America. We know they've had some weather, but what about the Black Sea region? How's that all factoring in? It's a lot coming up on the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Final Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as we continue the conversation with Arlen Suderman. So let's look at South America. I know that they're in the kind of their final stages with their with their crop harvest. But what are you hearing number wise and how much is this dry weather pockets we keep hearing pop up affecting the trade? Yeah, it's been very dry in recent weeks in southern Brazil, down in Paraguay and into uh, northern Argentina. In fact, uh, there is the... the river that goes through there and it's it's the second longest river second to the amazon in south america i think 3800 miles long and it feeds the rosario grain exchange uh port uh in argentina which is one of the major ports of argentina and was running about half of its normal capacity water-wise which meant that uh, ships there loading up with soy meal etc 
Argentina is the largest exporter of soy meal. They were having to reduce how, how full they could fill themselves so that they wouldn't drag bottom. And uh, they have received some heavy rains this week in Argentina. And then southern Brazil is expected to see some rains here as we get into late next week. That's also critical for the Sabrina corn crop, which is kind of early in its reproductive phase in that part of Brazil. Northern Brazil, Sabrina corn belt has, has good yield potential. They've had good rains. It's the southern half that's at risk, and we have seen some yield loss. My team in Brazil is working on their production estimates now, and we should have them um, by next Monday, uh, so we can talk about them next week. Um, but right now, I'm anticipating that they're probably going to pull their overall corn production estimate down below 100 million metric tons by 1 or 2 million metric tons, and then see if those rains come. If they do not, we could see a much sharper decrease in production because their soils are not very forgiving. If they do come, then that production estimate may hold pretty close to true. Any reduction in the Safrina corn crop tends to be result in a direct increase in U.S. corn exports. So that's why it's critical at this time when we have so much surplus corn because of our drop in ethanol demand. And the Black Sea region has been getting some, some rains too, I understand. Yeah, they've been very dry uh, across really the northeastern half of Europe, stretching east into the Black Sea region. Now, showers started to finally develop over Europe this week. Northeastern areas that are driest probably going to see limited relief, but there will be some relief, and that is that has put some pressure on wheat prices, and we saw particularly Chicago wheat under pressure today. That is one of the reasons. We were up yesterday because of the lower wheat ratings here in the United States, mostly led by Kansas City, but Chicago feeling the pressure of the rains in, in Europe on their crop. However, as we look at the Black Sea region, those rains are coming into western Ukraine and not expected to get into eastern Ukraine as the system kind of starts to shift until late next week, kind of the t- same timing as Brazil's Safrina corn crop area. And uh, there are some concerns whether it'll verify that far out. That means not even dry areas of eastern Ukraine, where it's since March 1st been some of the driest weather we've seen in the last 40 years, but also southern Russia. And uh, generally, the long-range models have been calling for a wet May for that area, which would help limit losses for wheat but then dry out again for the summer. And so that be concerns for Ukraine's corn belt. Ukraine, again, is a major export competitor with the United States on corn. Global currencies, how is that going to weigh in as well on what we're seeing in our markets? Yeah, the dollar continues to, uh, dollar index continues to trade around par, very strong levels. And meanwhile, you look at our major competitors' currencies like Brazil, in Russia, their currencies are near record week lows, and that makes them extremely competitive. That's one reason that Brazil basically owns the soybean market right now with China, is because all the way through, all the way until August, they beat us by 30 to 40 cents at times, uh, simply because of currency exchange rates and uh, the difference that that makes. But that we see enough of an increase in basis as you get from August on, that the U.S. starts to be competitive. That's why the recent purchases by China of U.S. soybeans, as we saw late last week, were for August-September delivery 
And I think we're going to see China become much more aggressive in the weeks and months ahead in buying U.S. soybeans, but again, primarily for delivery in the new marketing year. And that means that we could see USDA have to cut their export target for the current marketing year, uh, maybe another 100 million bushels. Probably won't do that all at once, but incrementally over the next several months. All right, sounds good, Arlen. What's the best way for folks to reach you? INTLFCStone.com over on Twitter. My handle is Arlen, A-R-L-A-N-F-F-101. And that's the Fontenelle Final Bell. Just a reminder, commodity futures and options involve substantial risk of loss are not suitable for all investors. It's brought to you by the Fontenelle Hybrids and your local Fontenelle dealers. Check it out as a podcast at ruralradio.com or wherever you subscribe. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network.